0: This is Andy Wakefield and this is the Andy Wakefield podcast. This is a place where stories are told that have never been heard before.
1: Welcome yeah. to the Andy Wakefield podcast. I'm Lori Gregory. It is my great pleasure to be here with Dr. Andy Wakefield and Jim Moody, Esquire, our dear friend and brilliant constitutional lawyer in Washington, D.C. Andy, it's great time to have Jim on, isn't it? We've got big news.
0: Well, I'd say we haven't had you on for a while, Jim. We were just commenting, so it's high time we drew you back into the fray. And we've got some, um, as everybody's aware now, we've got some big decisions coming up in the Supreme Court in early January. And I, I was Jim and I were at a conference the other day in Nashville where uh, there was an excellent legal panel, and Jim was talking about this. And as I understand it, Jim, at the time, there were... A number of these cases where Biden had tried to force mandates upon various work groups, workers, um, according to various criteria, but that those had been thrown out and had gone to the appeal courts in various jurisdictions. and and your feeling at the time was that that the original opinion was going to be sustained in all those appeal courts, and therefore, it, there wouldn't be an issue to be argued before the Supreme Court. But that seems, it, it, I may have read you wrong, Jim, when you said that, but that seems to have changed if that was the case. And we're now going to, uh, this is going to be adjudicated in the Supreme Court on what, the 7th, 6th or 7th of January. On, right, on,
1: on the 7th, and thanks. It's happy happy to be here, and uh, happy Festivus, and Merry Christmas, everybody. And Merry, happy Christmas.
0: Christ, Merry, uh, Merry Christmas, Merry Merry Christmas.
1: Well, actually, the well, when last we spoke on this, the various district and federal courts in most of the states, and these are, are somewhat complicated because the appeals courts are regional, um, had in, uh, enjoined, m- meaning they had blocked the Biden mandates for contractors, for uh, private employees over 100, and for uh, healthcare workers, those basically funded by Medicare and Medicaid. So there's the three categories of employees. Uh, for military, it was still kind of up in the air. There's a court in Florida in an SEAL case that basically said, "Look, you, you know you've got to grant them religious exemptions. I'm not going to in, you know impose an injunction on you right now, but I'm going to require you to report every fourteen days on how many religious exemptions you're granting. So the military issue is still a bit up in the air, and I think they're going to do something sneaky, like basically bargain and say, we'll, we'll grant you a dishonorable discharge if you can test this. if you just agree to leave, we'll grant you an honorable discharge, but try to prevent them from challenging it on a religious exemption ground. So that's, the military area is still a little bit murky, murky, but on the contractors, all of the federal contractor cases are on procedural issues. Uh, none of the courts have really reached the merits, meaning does the government actually, federal government actually have the power um, for the moment, it's undisputed that states government, state governments would have the power to uh, uh, regulate uh, uh, conduct subject to their state civil rights laws. So this is a federal question. Because we live in a uh, country with limited federal powers, That that always the first question you ask when the federal government does something, is do they even have the power to do it? And Article 1, Section 8 lists the things the federal government is supposed to do, which is fight wars, coin money. Uh, uh, run a post office. Nowhere does it say they're supposed to promulgate work rules, for example, and certainly not engage in in health-related activities. Those were always left to the states. So, beginning in about 1870 through the Depression, uh, the courts started being more tolerant of federal government's powers, uh, to where they, you know, can kind of, kind of. At least it was thought they can kind of do anything. So the uh, the Biden mandates, all three of them, came out September 9th and all the flurry of challenges started being filed all over the country. The Fifth Circuit eventually ruled, that's the court that's headquartered in uh, Louisiana, but most importantly encompasses Texas. Um, It it ruled that uh, Biden didn't have the authority under OSHA, Occupational Safety and Health Administration, which makes sure that the forklift beeps when it goes backward in the workplace and the like. (laughs) People wear uh, safety goggles and hard hats and yellow belts. And and you
0: have enough oxygen in your
1: cubicle, which, by the way, the OSHA meter will go off after a minute and a half in a mask, by the way. Continue. All right. And so uh, uh, they've been regulating workplaces since 1975. It was a Nixon-era invention. And um, uh, so the Fifth Circuit said there's just absolutely no way, not even remotely possible, that the federal government has the authority to essentially regulate health policy by imposing a, a requirement on, on, for vaccination or test on employees any more than they would have the authority to require uh, employees to uh, eat broccoli uh, or take vitamins or any, anything else having to do with general public health matters. Um, and so the uh, eight of these cases were then eventually consolidated and transferred to the Sixth Circuit uh, that's headquartered in Cincinnati. Normal procedure, you know, just for a judicial economy. That court split eight to eight on whether the injunction should continue pending, you know, review on the merits. Uh, and then the uh, a panel then reversed the Fifth Circuit and and dissolved the injunction uh, just last week. And it was uh, written by an Obama Obama appointee. With a, joined by a Bush appointee and dissented by a, a Trump appointee. So this is an excellent example of how elections do have consequences for the judicial appointments. And that judge in the Sixth Circuit said, well, this is a public health emergency. It's a virus. Of, of course, OSHA has authority to do this. So if you set these two opinions side by side, you basically get you know two different visions of what the federal government is supposed to do on the one hand, regulate everything and anything by invoking words like safety and viruses. And then the other judge down in in, in the Fifth Circuit, basically, that if OSHA wants to regulate this area, it has to go back to Congress and get the authority. Uh, And so you just, it's, it's a Mars and Venus kind of comparison. So anyway, after that, there are now 19 appeals in the Supreme Court by various states and business groups, and two of those Uh, one by the state of Ohio, and one by the National Federation of Independent Businesses, basically the Small Business Trade Association, on behalf of 26 other business associations, were consolidated and scheduled for oral argument on January 7th for one hour. Uh, And that's a relatively rare, it's the the third time this year they've done this. And it's relatively rare, because uh, I think uh, the reason they're going to do this is because There's been much criticism of late of the courts, what's called the shadow docket, where they're deciding all these cases without oral argument, without full briefing on these emergency motions, without the development of a full record. Because the only question up there right now in the Supreme Court, is not all about informed consent and bodily autonomy and all these sort of, and even religious exemptions, all these things that get everybody correctly and appropriately excited. It's up there on the very narrow question that does Congress, uh, or sorry, does Biden have the authority, acting on his own, to to do this under an emergency exception to uh, the normal OSHA procedure of putting things in the Federal Register and asking for 60 days of public comment, blah blah blah? So it's it's uh, uh, basically a very very narrow authority question, and even then, it's not on the merits. It's just should we, the Supreme Court, block the government's enforcement of this rule? while the Sixth Circuit thinks about it on its regular order schedule, and, and it, when it gets eventually back to the Supreme Court on its regular order schedule, which at the earliest would be this summer. So that, that's where some of the tension is going to come in, is are we, are we in the middle of such an incredible emergency that we can't wait for ordinary and routine judicial review that we have to either let this rule go into enforce because the virus is deadly and scary, because this is the best Biden can do, and he's too uh, he couldn't go to Congress because they're too politically uh, crippled, you know, because Senator Manchin can't figure out what to do, for example. Uh, or will the court say there's no, as they did in the famous steel seizure case under the Truman administration, that the Constitution does not uh, tolerate emergencies, that an emergency does not repeal the most sacred protection in the Constitution, which is the separation of powers to continue the conversation and hear the podcast in its entirety go to team1986.com that's team1986.com become a partner producer where in addition to the podcast you will get so much more including the opportunity to know that you are helping to save children